uh, what do you think, you're some kind of Jedi waving your hand around like that? I'm a Toydarian. Mind tricks don't work on me. Only faking Star Wars Radio. That's right, it's another sensational episode of Faking Star Wars Radio, the official podcast of FakingStarWars.net. We have a wonderful interview today. What a treat we are in for. The director of the George Lucas talk show documentary, I'm George Lucas, a Connor Ratliff story is here. Ryan Jacoby, along with the producer of that show, uh, which for a long time was on in the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York City, the producer, Mr. Patrick Kotner. Both of them are here in the studios to talk about uh, the documentary, to talk about what it's like to work with such an interesting comedian talent, and also just navigating that space of being a creative person in that Star Wars comedy space that we so love. This is going to be a sweet, sweet interview. I am absolutely stoked. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't visited our t-shirt store yet, head on over to bit.ly slash fswmerch and pick up a t-shirt for the holidays. Things are on sale now, and we have some great new designs for your stocking stuffers. Also, please consider going to patreon.com slash fakingstarwars and dropping us a monthly subscription. You can join for as little as a buck a month. If you've heard me talk about it in the past, we're really trying to emphasize it. You know, we don't have a salary. We don't make any money other than your generous donations, and it's quite expensive to pay for equipment, hosting fees, all kinds of things associated with this podcast. So please give us a little generosity in these dark, dark imperial times. Well, this is a rare moment in Faking Star Wars Radio when we have some guests out there who aren't just Star Wars nerds, but are actually doing something amazing and interesting in the galaxy. And with me here in the studio in Topeka, Kansas, we have uh, Mr. Ryan Jacoby and Mr. Patrick Cotner, Cotner, Cotner. Did I say that Cotner. correctly? You got to you got it right the first time. Yeah. There you go. Um, Hello. And so we're just really pleased as punch. Uh, so both of you have been working with um, Connor Ratliff, uh, you know, in in, in uh, for the last few years on the George Lucas Show. You're you're all friends, and it seems like a bit of a of an empire of comedians and and producers and entertainers. So we're just really happy to have you here today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Psyched to psyched to stop by and chat. We're happy to be here. So, uh, as tradition on faking Star Wars, we are very self-aggrandizing. Um, Ryan, could you tell <laughs> us how this came about? Uh, what what got you connected with faking Star Wars and re- leads you into the studio today? Well, yeah, it was probably the Ira Glass interview you did last year. You know, the big one on This American Life, where they dedicated a whole hour to you guys. Like that was some. <laughs> That was some special stuff. Yeah, uh, we, we decided to only release that to our Patreons as a special gift. Right. <laughs> right. I'm at the $100 tier, so I That's got right. it like day one. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, um, Ryan, you've worked as uh, an editor, producer, crew on a variety of projects. Uh, maybe most notably, at least on IMDb, is uh, the documentary We Breathe Again, which is uh, a little bit of a darker tone documentary about Alaska and, and suicide. What brought you into this project doing a documentary about a fake talk show host, George Lucas, interviewing real guests? How did you get involved with this? Yeah, so when you see We Breathe Again which, as you stated, is about intergenerational trauma and suicide among Alaska natives, you think, what do these two have in common? And you'd be right to think absolutely nothing. And that's kind of the point, is that during the uh, editing, the post-production, which took you know a few years with uh, my filmmaking partner, Marsh, who's also working on uh, this film, uh, it's, it's a dark place when you're you know basically dealing with such a heavy topic. And I needed kind of a release from that, and I happened to stumble upon the George Lucas talk show went back when it was at UCB East at midnight, and it was it was like the opposite of everything I was doing, you know, working on that documentary. It was fun, it was light, it was surreal and zany, and I kept telling Marsh, like, you have to come with me, and he finally came to a show with me, I guess it was 2018, when you guys moved over to Hell's Kitchen, and he was like, oh my god, this is the best show, like, I wish I'd come earlier. And I was like, yeah, you know, it would be it would be fun to work with these guys. Like, it's it's such a strange, I'll use the word surreal again, uh, environment that they've created. Maybe we could reach out to them and see if they want to do like a fun little like side project. And at the time, I was also really into the Larry Sanders show. I was doing a rewatch of it. So I think Marsh reached out to Patrick on Twitter and was like, hey, we'd love to work with you guys to shoot a show or, you know, get together and talk about what we can do. 
And Patrick, I'm just realizing now, like you had such blind, you know, trust in us, which I appreciate. Like, yeah, you didn't actually know who we yeah, were. Yeah, it was. I mean, Connor and I have talked about this. Yeah, uh, and not with you, Ryan. Where we immediately were like, yeah, sure, sounds great. And like, didn't watch anything else you had ever made. Didn't look you guys up. We were like, yeah, okay, sounds good. Which is uh, a fascinating way to uh, do business and live your life, I think. Yeah. So I think hopefully in that first meeting, we proved that we weren't absolute weirdos. Or at least the right type of weirdos that you wanted to work with. Yes. And I think I pitched you guys a kind of mockumentary where... We would do like a behind a fake behind the scenes where you, Griffin, and you know Connor would all be in character, and we would pretend that you guys had a writers' room, and we would just make it this whole fake thing because we thought that Connor was like method. We didn't know that like <laughs> he just like lifts the character and puts it back on when he wants to, and Connor was like, "That's great," but one I've already kind of done that like a couple years ago. He already did a mockumentary. Yeah. Connor, here, I'll, I'll explain this very yeah. quickly to people. Uh, Connor and I met working on a show called The Chris Gethard Show, which was a, a long-running um, New York public access talk show that eventually got on True TV and Funny or Die produced and all this stuff. And Connor did a uh, multi-month, maybe even multi-year bit uh, where he was running for president, and that was his whole thing, and the whole campaign uh, uh, was based around the fact that he was 35 years old, so that was old enough to run for president, and that was his only qualification. So he had built up this whole narrative. He had, uh, you know, hired fake campaign workers, all this stuff. And he made a documentary in character about running for president. Uh, so he would sort of felt like he had already done that kind of thing. And it also felt like uh, when you guys suggested that to us, we were like, that's a lot of work. <laughs> like, that <laughs> seems like that's going to be a lot. Uh, and then, Ryan, I don't remember if we pitched or you pitched. We were we were just like, you just shoot a show. I think that was our counter pitch was like, oh, we'll just shoot a yeah. show and we'll do a little like behind the scenes for it. So it'll take like a weekend. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any important shows coming up? And you're like, we'll figure it out. And then it, it morphed into the idea of a 20 minute short because that was all about the Star Wars Day show you did in May of 2019. Yeah. And in that time period, we had done an interview or two with Connor and I just kept feeling like there was way more here than just a 20 minute short. And we kept pushing to have more and more production days. <laughs> and then by like mm-hmm. August, we were like, okay, this is probably a feature. The and layers of the of... onions were coming off and you realize this is an actual thing. This isn't yes. just a side yeah. project. <laughs> yes. And that was before you even shot New York Comic Con. <laughs> like that was right. like pre, you know, you were, you were gearing up to do uh, still a lot more uh, uh, shooting with us. And it uh, it sort of grew into something that I don't think any of us anticipated it being, uh, you know, all of us sitting down for multiple interviews at multiple locations and like getting stuff down, you know, uh, having a lot of our friends sit down for interviews and past guests from the show. It was just uh, it turned into a thing, you know, yeah. it turned into a real thing. Now it spanned multiple years. And, yeah. you know, I think when we first were starting, I think Connor wasn't sure how much access he wanted to give us. And yeah. I guess me being me, I just kept like pushing and asking questions that I don't know if he wanted to answer, but it just became second nature to sit down with these, do these long interviews. And now, you know, he's given us so much access. He let us go to his, you know, hometown in Missouri. So it's been a lot of fun and it's been an interesting journey to say the least. <laughs> Uh, you know, Storm Duper had recently a birthday, and one of the things that Mrs. Duper always gets tired of hearing me complain about is, oh, I never get anything good. You know, it's always the same old, same old, uh, you know, pizza, coupons, stuff like that. But this year, Mrs. Duper went out on a limb and ordered me the Perfect Package 3.0 from Manscaped.com. You've probably seen their ads. Uh, you know, Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. Don't be the hairiest Jedi in the resistance. The Lawnmower 3.0 is a waterproof and skin-safe trimmer that will reduce nicks to your two best friends. 
It is an absolutely fantastic shaver, a quality, quality product, and really easy to use. It, they even include instructions to help you out. One of the most powerful forces in the galaxy is your lightsaber, so keep yours clean with the Lawnmower 3.0. They also include the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits, why not? Down there in the smelliest part of your body. For on-the-go freshness, you can also use their wonderful Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. It's all included in the Perfect Package 3.0. And if you act now, using our code FSWRADIO, that's all in caps, you'll get 20% off free shipping with the code FSWRADIO at manscaped.com. That's right, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FSWRADIO at manscaped.com. May the force be with your balls. So, I mean, there are so many angles you can take with this because it is kind of so meta. I mean, you have a comedian who's playing uh, a different version of kind of a comedian talk show host who's supposed to be George mm -hmm. Lucas. And I can imagine that the talks, like you said, it started out sort of as like a weekend shoot, a mockumentary, and now it's like an actual documentary sort of about Connor uh, just as much as it is almost about the show, the George Lucas talk mm -hmm. show. So, um, I mean, what... Where is the current, I mean, without spoiling the documentary, where is the current focus? And, and as a documentarian, what angle are you really taking now about this this whole zany project? Well, you're right that it's incredibly meta. Like, it's the most meta thing I've ever worked on to the point where <laughs> Connor is commenting on being in a documentary and not wanting to be in a documentary. And simultaneously, I hope, you know, revealing some inner truths about himself that people might enjoy. Um it's been such a strange couple. Has it been two years now? No, I don't know. We started in mm, we started in close. 2019, and now it's been. I think our first our first emails back and forth is 2018. Yeah, and since then we've had like four or five different outlines of what the film should be, and the latest thing that we've been working on, I'm I'm pretty happy with. I hope it'll feel very balanced where you're going to get a lot of the George Lucas talk show. And if you have never seen it or heard of it before, it'll be kind of an entryway into it. But we're also going to try to just throw you right in <laughs> and feel what it is that these guys are doing and uh, then let Connor sort of explain who he is and why he wants to do this. So I want to hear from from Patrick, who is the producer of the George Lucas talk show. And and I mean, you've worked yeah. with Saturday Night Live, uh, Above Average, Sesame Street, CNBC, on the, and then of course the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York, which is well-renowned, well-respected, um, has a lot of different stuff going on. What, what has felt different or special for you working on the George Lucas talk show and then also being involved with this documentary? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been working on this show since, geez, 20, beginning of 2015, I want to say. Uh, so we're coming up on almost six years, which is wild. Uh, and it's always been something that, it was always this weird underground thing that only a handful of people knew about because it used to be like a midnight show on a Friday in the East Village. So we had to like pry and plead and beg uh both audience members and guests to come down i know nothing about that you know we always have people stomping down the door of the studio to get in we have to hire like a whole 501st security brigade to keep people away see that's why i'm glad i'm here so i can explain to you <laughs> what that's like and it's so hard um but then it, it, it morphed into like a 7 p.m show on a friday which makes it a lot easier to get people now it's uh, we stream every sunday night online which has been even easier to get people because you can get them from anywhere and like it's much easier to not have people leave their homes and they could still do the show. Uh, but this show, you know, it means a ton to me because it's it's something that I've been, even though I wasn't working on it in the beginning, like the very, very beginning, uh, I was the I was the warm-up comic for the first show, even <laughs> though I'm not a comedian. I showed up and uh, just to come watch the show and Connor said, hey, the guy who's doing our warm-up uh, comedy uh, bailed. He can't come. I need you to do it. And I was like, I'm not a performer. And he said, I don't care. So like I've been around <laughs> since the beginning. Uh, so getting to see Connor evolve and the show evolve through so many weird iterations has been such a wild thing. And it's something where like at this point, it's nice to have a job where you don't have any oversight because I've worked so many places uh, uh, where I have to book guests primarily uh and a lot of people need to say yes or a lot of people need to say no you know in order to get that guest and with this i sort of just text people and i'm like hey guess what leah thompson's doing the show or hey guess what uh you know we got darcy card in this way like no one needs to say yes 
which is always the best kind of job because it's just it's pure Connor, it's pure Patrick, and it's pure Griffin. It's literally like whatever we want the show to be. That's what the show is. Uh, a Griffin being Griffin being Griffin Newman, who plays Watto on the show uh, from The Tick. He's Amazon, from The Tick, right? On check. Amazon, yeah, yeah. I think it is, right? Yep. Yeah. He's hilarious. He's almost uh, my favorite part of the show, just with the uh, yeah. the costume. I mean, he wears like this blue Spanx head spandex thing, and he's got yeah, this hilarious, uh, you know, a derivative accent going on that's just on point. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that you are doing parody and comedy on the show, I, I wonder if it means that certain guests and topics you know, they might be standoffish about appearing because of the nature of the, the format. But how do you continue to be poignant and relevant despite the fact that you are sort of, for lack of a better word, taking the piss? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Some people are tough. Um, some people who know George or have worked at Lucasfilm, maybe, are a little bit tougher to con- either convince to do it or ask to do it. Um, because they're like, it feels like you're making fun of him when we really we don't really think we're making fun of him because we all love the guy and we all like truly respect so much of what he's done. We don't think it as like, Oh, we're punching down on this guy. Uh, we think of it as just like, it's a tribute, you know? Sure. Um, but shockingly more people than you think would be down are down, uh, which is always nice. And it makes me laugh every time when we have a guest on, and they'll be answering a question and they're like, yeah, no, Watto, you bring up a really good point there. And it's just like, <laughs> it's so funny seeing like established actors or comedians or just like uh, we've been doing a lot of like charity live streams with like writers and producers from TV shows that were marathoning on the show. And it's just like some guy who's like a costume designer who's not a performer just being like, you know, Watto, actually, uh, I wouldn't have thought of that. But that's that's a really you're saying a lot of the right stuff. It's just so funny to me every time. So for fans out there who haven't seen the show, I mean, it's it's Connor Ratliff yeah. and and um, and uh, and Watto, I mean, Griffin. his co-host interviewing yeah. real people who appear on the show. And I have to say, um, when I first saw this new Disney show, that's a, a puppeteering show. Is it called Ned from Space or something? Earth to Ned. Yeah, yeah I yeah, almost yeah. thought, you know, this is almost a rip off of the George Lucas <laughs> talk show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I don't want to say that we have had an executive producer and the head writer on the show, but I don't want to say that that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So so you you kind of alluded to uh Lucasfilm. Uh what how have they responded to the existence of the show? I mean, you're still in business, you haven't had any lawsuits I'm assuming, but have they actually yeah. corresponded with you like you know in detail about uh, their opinion at all uh officially no but you know we all have friends who work there who uh I, they're they're aware of the show and i think the fact that we're continuing uh says a lot because, there's sort you know, of just a mutual respect kind of exactly yeah. you let it happen we're not we're not doing anything to defame his name you know what i mean everyone knows it's obviously not george lucas and i think you probably know and ryan knows and you know we've all talked about this but like there's the Family Guy parodies and there's the Robot Chicken parodies and there's the Mad Magazine stuff that real George loved. And like, he has this long history of uh, kind of, you know, like you said, taking the piss out of Star Wars and himself. And I think he's got this like frame of mind where he thinks it's funny. So I, I, I don't know if he knows about the show personally. I assume he does because there have been enough people in the, in his orbit who uh, uh, have either been on or been asked. Um, I assume he knows, but uh, the fact that it's still happening, I think, uh, means he's probably okay with it. I will I pray to Lord Sheev that you can land George Lucas <laughs> as a guest. Oh, <laughs> you know, I'm man. sure you've joked oh, about man. that in the past. You can have Connor as George Lucas interview. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it. And yeah, yeah. I, You know, it's one of those things where you think that uh, you don't know if it'll be better in practice versus in theory. I hope it would be very good, but you never know. Right. You it's know? Just maybe one of those ideas that shouldn't happen anyway. That Yeah. Who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> for us, for the film, though, we we wanted it to happen. We still want it to happen. Of course. Even if the film yeah. gets released, you know, and is in a bunch of festivals and they're like, oh, you know, we saw it. We, we'd be happy to do an interview. We'll definitely yeah. tack that on to the end of the film. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for me. Oh, Ryan. Ryan, you, you're saying you'll do a special edition yes ah very nice (laughs) so so ryan i mean there's so much going on but you know as a documentary filmmaker what what kind of an ethos 
uh, you know, are you planning for the release and for everything? I mean, do you have that in mind now? I know it's complicated with the pandemic. Uh, what, what's going on with the actual production now? Yeah, we, we had a lot of stuff in mind. Um, <laughs> South by Southwest type <laughs> right. of festivals seem to be a nice fit, you know, where it's like they're celebrating culture and all that. But now it's just let's get the film done and then see what the world climate is like and try to release however we can. Um, so we're not really worried about it. It's actually, it's kind of a stress reliever <laughs> in that way. Just mm-hmm. like being like, okay, we have no control over it. So let's just allow it to be what it'll be. And let's just, that's why also we decided, let it be a feature. It was supposed to be a 20 minute short, which is more, you know, appealing to festivals. But now we're like, hey, it wants to be this thing and we have the time. So let's make it this thing. The show's evolved a lot since February, mm-hmm. the last time I saw Ryan. Yeah. Um it's changed and now it's online and it's weekly and a lot more people are getting to see it. So I think that I, you know, I haven't seen Ryan's edit, but I assume that it will impact the ending because also the UCB in New York closed, which is kind of a big thing. Um, and who knows if it's coming back. So, you know, I, I think it's going to change the movie a lot. We'll see. Right. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to make the movie just about the pandemic, but it would be ridiculous yeah. not to include that as part of the right. narrative of the story, right? I mean, you guys had Ahmed Best on recently. Like, that yeah, wouldn't have happened in a non, you know, Twitch setting, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of people like that where it's like, we could never get uh, uh, Mike Quinn, who, you know, was a puppeteer on a lot of the Star Wars movies, or like Ahmed Best, or like all these people who don't live in New York. It's impossible to get these people. So it's it's been very nice to... Uh, you know, have the have the opportunity to do so. Describe for our fans who may not know what it's like to produce a show either on Twitch or or in New York, or also to to create a documentary. I'd like both of you to to answer this. What what is it like a day in the life of being the producer of the George Lucas talk show? What is it like being the director of I'm George Lucas? You know the life. You know the kind of Redlift documentary. Um, mm-hmm. I know that I know there's probably not an average day, but. What what would you answer? What's a snapshot? Yeah. yeah, I mean, a snapshot is a lot of my job uh, booking guests is sending emails. It's just like uh, shooting emails off to 20 people and then four people get back to you. You know, that's like the best case scenario because a lot of times you're going through reps or you're going through, you know, you're sending someone an email, but they just don't respond. So it's a lot of just sitting and waiting and hoping that you have enough people in time for the show. Uh, which used to be monthly. We used to do, it was usually about three three guests a month. Now it's uh, like three guests a week. So that's been a little bit of a change. Um, but when it was a live show, it was a lot of uh, wrangling, making sure the guests uh, got there on time, making sure their guests were taken care of, making sure I was explaining, okay, this is Watto. Uh, he um, owns slaves and is <laughs> sort of a stereotype. Uh, it's fine. Just go with it. And and just explaining to people that if you buy into the reality of the world that we're setting up, the show will be better and it will look better on you. Like, you'll look better to the audience if you're having fun with it. And here's what you need to do to have fun with it. Um, and that's sort of the same thing on Twitch. You know, talking to guests before the show. And now I've sort of become an on-air uh, co-host sidekick you know thing i don't know what you want to call it so that's been sort of a a weird learning curve for me too but but just like trying to guide people through the process of okay this is the show just give in to the weirdness and you will have fun i promise it's so rare that somebody doesn't have fun or that i you know find out that somebody doesn't have fun um i could count it on less than one hand uh how many times it's happened in like six years it's like ride the blurg and just enjoy the ride you know what we got going on ride the blurg Ride the Blurg is a good, that's a good thing to tell people, and I should do that. I have to confess that's the name of a sister podcast the, by Loose mm-hmm. Cannon. Uh, they have that kind of, you know, episode thing about Mandalorian they do, and, and so Riding yeah. the Blurg is, I stole that from him. He's going to be very upset. Nick Nick will be very upset. He'll be knocking on my door uh, ready to, to sock yeah. me if I don't give him full credit for that one. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a good one. Nick, good job. Yeah. He's a funny guy anyway. Um uh, and how about you, Ryan? You know, a day in the life, a snapshot of, of working yeah. through this this crazy project, a documentary interrupted by the <laughs> pandemic, in some ways accelerated and enriched maybe too. Yeah. I mean, it's actually interesting how similar it is to Patrick's job in some ways in that when because we're an indie film, it is cajoling people to say, hey, come down and, and please, you know, uh, contribute in the form of the interview. It won't take too much of your time. It'll be fun. And it's like throwing a party, basically, where you're hosting the party. So, like, 
the hard work comes after, which is in the period we're in now. Like production, I thought was so fun. I had such a good time all year. Um, and I don't normally like production. So I think it was because we chose a, a topic that I was already interested in. I already loved this world. That it just felt like I got to hang out and uh, put on my like storytelling hat while I was there, which I really, you know, had a good time doing. Editing is hard. And, um, you know, I'm not George Lucas. George Lucas loves editing. <laughs> that's his, <laughs> that's his world. Uh, you know, for me, um, I really enjoy the story breaking process. Um, but editing is when basically you're seeing what do you think you captured versus what have you actually captured. And they're usually two very different things. But it's also been a kind of nice surprise where stuff that I thought was just kind of a throwaway day. Oh, you know, we actually have a really nice gem there. And now we're going to reorder, you know, our structure based on something we didn't know we had. So it's all these little surprises that you find daily. Um, it's not glamorous. It's tedious. And it requires a lot of patience. It re requires a lot of really good communication between all of us. And it's been, you know, um, difficult with the pandemic for sure. But also, like you said, it, it's definitely enriched the whole thing that now we have this, I guess I'll say, act four <laughs> that we didn't have before. Uh, and it's completely, it's completely made the film a kind of foreshadowing like a dramatic irony <laughs> like the whole film uh up until maybe the pandemic kind of plays like oh but they didn't know <laughs> they didn't know this was gonna happen you know it's like this brooding sense of the inevitable coming at you i guess uh one of my favorite uh, swedish directors ingmar bergman said you know that that directing is sort of like being a pearl fisher you know, you, you wait and you wait and you wait, and then sometimes you just find this beautiful pearl. I guess you could call it lightning in a bottle if you want. So on this production uh, of the documentary, without without spoiling anything, uh, were there any those moments, those pearls that you, you'd like to talk about that, that just made you feel like all warm and fuzzy, I guess? Oh, for sure. You can spoil one. Spoil yeah, one I or mean, two, Ryan. <laughs> there were definitely times where... Connor was so gracious to us in inviting us into his apartment, and we would spend all day with him there. And at the end of every one of these shoots, he would get so punchy, like guaranteed. <laughs> and he would start yelling at me in a joking way, like, why are you asking me these questions? Why are you doing this to me? And I was like, I'm sorry. This, I just, I asked these questions. I can't help it. Like, I'm not a comedian. I like probing <laughs> and finding out about the inner workings of people. That's what I'm interested in. And he's an interesting guy. He has a lot. He's kind of a philosopher, like most comedians, you know, like if they weren't comedians, they'd probably be philosophers. That's uh, been my problem for, all yeah. along. That's why we only have 60,000 <laughs> listeners. Ugh. That's it. Thanks for the tip. I'm yeah. not, I, I, I hope you don't charge me for that, but. No, that's free. <laughs> but yeah, as far as like a hidden gem, it was basically the entire trip to Missouri where you think the film is one thing. And then I feel like when you start to see those scenes, you're like, oh, okay. This is <laughs> it is an interesting guy, and he can't help being funny, but also slipping in these sort of, um, I don't know, cynical yet sweet is, I think, Connor's brand. Was that, does that sound right to you, Patrick? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. Especially yeah. this year. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's so much joy in everything he does, but there's also this, like, trickster side to him that I enjoy seeing. Yes. Mm -hmm. If you were a Star Wars character, actually, who would he be? I... <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> if you were a Star Wars character, actually, who would he be? Because um, he's not the happy-go-lucky Gungan type, you know? No, no. He's more of a... Oh, Jesus, that's a great question. You know, this uh, is something we've back. asked. We, we've asked this to is multiple it, did people. Did you give an answer? Yes. Oh, oh. So if you want a real spoiler, I can give you one. It's up to you. I, I don't have to. I don't have to include us, it in the final the episode. But yeah. So most of the people, when I first asked them that question, they said he would be some like random side character, like some guy who works the trash compactor or something. Mm. Yeah. Uh, just some random cog in a wheel. And he gave me that sort of fake funny answer oh, too. I, I have like, an answer. Okay. I have an answer. Too. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no kind of really. Who would you be? And he's like, <laughs> oh, okay. I guess I would be like Obi-Wan or Yoda, the failed Jedi. And when you take a look at his career, he he believes that it's mostly impacted by the failures he's had in his life. And that's like the greatest teacher for who he is and what he wants to be. 
And uh, yeah, I think he's right. I think Obi-Wan is actually my favorite of all the, the Jedi. Probably my favorite character in Star Wars. And hmm. it's because he's so human. He, you know, he's not like up until uh, recent Star Wars. Luke was kind of viewed as this like inhuman superpower. But yeah, that's kind of, I, I think... I think Connor kind of nailed it with that one, but let me hear yours as Patrick. Connor Juan Kamobi. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Yoda in Empire before he reveals himself as Yoda. <laughs> right, right, right. When he's just a little frog. Just like, he's a little frog weirdo, and you're like, this guy's a freaking weirdo. Yeah. What's his deal? And yeah. then, and then you know he'll say something, and you're like, "Oh, okay, got it. I figured you out." Like you know, you're you're actually saying something that's very uh, smart and profound, but you're still a freaking little fro- frog man that we don't really understand. He'd be like yeah. the seagull, that's stop it now, version of uh, Yoda. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That is that is Connor. Huh. <laughs> so, um, you know, we here at Faking Star Wars and, and the site FakingStarWars.net, and we, we're we constantly creating fake news and leaks about, like, Star Wars news. And, <laughs> and the George Lucas talk show has similar gags and jokes. I mean, I just mentioned the uh, the Seagull Stop It Now uh, video, which is hilarious yeah. if you haven't seen it. But why do you think that Star Wars lends itself so well to comedy and, and humor? Ultimately, when you boil it down, it's a silly movie for children. You know? <laughs> And I'm sure I'm going to get so much hate for that. But you know what? Bring it on, guys. It's a silly movie for kids. And it's, it's uh, you know, in in the first 30 minutes, he goes to a bar where there's a praying mantis, a giant praying mantis. You know what I mean? Like, it lends itself to being crazy and and lending itself to, like, this is really weird. And we know it's really weird. But let's just take it seriously for a little bit. But I think if you if you took Star Wars and put it five degrees off of what it actually is it would be insane it would be a crazy movie and that's when you get those robot chicken or the family guys or even like uh detours which you know right. we talk about a lot on the show but well, like they just leaked recently a, a episode of that it it's, did. it's gone again it's been it rubbed did. it's been scrubbed from the uh, internet but uh yeah well, that, listen guys that's why you got to download stuff right when it shows up that's right that's right uh, <laughs> But yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a crazy franchise with insane ideas that was whittled down into a, a smart movie that can be related to by a lot of people. But uh, I think that's why. I don't know if that answered the question. But you know, all all I think about when it's like, oh, why are there so many parodies? It's like, have you guys seen Return of the Jedi? It's the strangest movie. <laughs> like, think about the character of Salacious Crumb. And that's all you need to know. Like, why are there parodies? Like, they, yeah. just in a nutshell, that character is so strange. So as, as creators, um, especially on the show, uh, the George Lucas show, you, you do create or fill an interesting space in entertainment. And I want to be clear, I'm not mm-hmm. talking from my perspective. I, I am as derivative as anybody. And but some might criticize you or minimize your work, you know, as being derivative yeah. because it already rests yeah. on a foundation of a property that, you know, Lucasfilm has created. So how, how should maybe we and myself included, how, how can we respond to people who bring that sort of attitude or criticism to your hard work? Here's what I would say. And uh, this is something that Connor and I have talked a lot about recently. It's kind of shocking how little we talk about Star Wars on our show. <laughs> And I know that sounds insane. We come up, we've come up with this own little world that we've built ourselves in. And so much more of the show is having guests on. Like we had Rich Summer on from mm. uh, Mad Men. He's, he's come on a bunch of times. But one of the, you know, we were like, hey, Rich, what was it like working on Celeste and Jesse forever? Just like <laughs> a movie he was in 12 years ago. Right. And it doesn't have to do with George Lucas. George, quote unquote, will be like, oh, it's about young people uh, spending uh, their youth trying to figure out where they are in life. Oh, just like American Graffiti. (laughs) So like he will bring it back to him. Exactly. But ultimately, we're not really we are a Star Wars show, but we're not a Star Wars show specifically because we deal with a lot more uh, things, um, both in the Lucas oeuvre and in the world at large, because we're more entertainment and Hollywood nerds than we are 
necessarily all of us Star Wars nerds. That's what I would say. I think that's what makes it compelling for me as a massive Star Wars fan is the fact that it's not just Star Wars fanboys, you know, pretending to be George Lucas, but they're actually, you're actually creating content. You're providing information. You're getting some very compelling, interesting interviews and guests, but it's filtered through that really creative lens. So as a, as a, someone who sort of aspires to do similar things, I think that's why I like it. Um, But it must be, it must be interesting uh, thinking from the perspective of people who are, who are these fanboys? I mean, what kind of reaction do you Mm -hmm. get from fans uh, who are these sort of, you know, uh, dyed in the cloth Star Wars fanatics when they see your show? Do they, they feel defensive? Have they sent you hate mail? Uh, You know, what, what happens there? No. Yeah. We haven't really gotten hate mail. The one time that we like full on dealt with it, was at one of our Comic-Con panels. And Connor started the show by saying, okay, if you're out in the crowd, stand up if you're mad about Star Wars. (laughs) And like, truly, here's the thing. Like, four people stood up out of 400 or 450. Like, it was not that many. And I think... I don't know if it was because the people who were like, oh, they're making fun of Star Wars, I don't want to be there, or if it genuinely was like, that's just the level of discourse where it's like, some people are very loud. But then he asked them, and he was like, well, do you want me to direct Star Wars again? Me as George? And they were like, well, no, of course not. And he's like, well, who do you want to direct Star Wars? And they're like, I don't know, Quentin Tarantino? And Connor was like, no, you don't. No, you don't. What are you talking about? You need to sit down and think about what you really want from Star Wars because I don't think you know what you want. And I think the thing that he has always said is Star Wars is something that you glom onto mostly as a child. When you first see it, you're like, this is what Star Wars is to me. And a lot of people grow out of that and they don't realize it. So they get mad because they're like, well, this isn't what I remember Star Wars being. And it's like, well, Star Wars can be different things for different people. And you need to just realize that. And he thinks, he thinks, and I think, and I think a lot of us think, is that that's the problem with people is they're like, well, Star Wars isn't for me anymore. And more people need to be like, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and I think a lot of people just can't, have trouble accepting the thing that they love so much uh, for a lot of their life isn't necessarily being made for them anymore. And for a lot of people, it is. I love Star Wars. I love almost every Star Wars thing that's come out. Almost. I said almost. <laughs> uh, uh, and and it's okay for either end, but I think a lot more people, um, if they open their mind and realize, hey, maybe it's time to pass this on to the next group of people, uh, you'd live a happier life and a, a nicer life. That's sort of what the theme is, really, of the sequel trilogy anyway, isn't it? I mean, yes. getting past yes. the past, let the past die, you know? Yeah, but you're right. You're right. I'm sure a lot of those guys who were mad were really listening to all the themes in the sequel trilogy. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> of course they were. Of course they were. Just, you know, they had tears in their eyes, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh so Ryan, as as a documentarian who's also kind of, you know, got a lot of friends involved with the production of the George Lucas show, how have you navigated the tension between being a Star Wars fan uh, or, you know, trying to show the truth of this show and working with friends and, and co-conspirators? I mean, how, how does all that work as a documentarian who's also seeking kind of the truth? Yeah, I mean, I basically take my Star Wars fan hat off when I, when I started, you know, directing, producing this. And... I think that's been the most helpful thing. Like once cameras are rolling and I don't have to do anything, I can just sit and enjoy the show. And now for sure, I can just sit and enjoy the show because there's so much content. And I already know that there's no way, you know, a good portion of all of that will make it in. Um, but it's kind of the same. I feel like I'm almost the same level of Star Wars fan that Connor is, which is like a casual mm-hmm. fan. Right. I mean, if you ask mm-hmm. me uh, when I was 11, sure, I would know everything that there was to know. And some of those references are still like buried in my mind for sure. Like on uh, the latest Mandalorian, when they mentioned Thrawn, I was like, I know what that is. <laughs> Whereas most people probably don't, right? So maybe I'm not a casual. Star it wasn't fan, like my I... wife who looked at me and was yeah. like, "What is that?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, "You're a host of a podcast of a Star Wars podcast. You have to know that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but when you're when you're directing, you know, you need to just figure out what's best for the story you're telling. And you have to sort of detach yourself from all of that stuff and even um, not get too concerned about uh, uh, you you just kind of have to go for the truth of what the story is you want to tell. 
So for me, that that also involved bringing on a producer, Anna Maria, who was the best thing I could have possibly done because I started directing and producing it. And I realized like, this is this is a monster of a a production schedule for an indie film. And so I brought her on. And she has been amazing dealing with all of the talent. She's like, this is kind of what she does. Uh, Patrick already knew her as well. So we were already sort of like all like in lockstep. And um, it's been, you know, just a fun little family of a film. Like everyone says that, but I really feel like we are actually pretty close. And are very like real with each other when we need to be. That's wonderful. Hopefully one of you doesn't turn into Anakin and slay everybody in the Jedi temple, you know, in the end yeah. of the production of this film, Ryan, um, as a, as a director though, you know, you, you've, you've, you've gotten into this world. You're doing a documentary about a show with a fake George Lucas host comedian and, and you're creating this documentary. And I know it must've been your dream going back to your Padawan days as a director to get into this sort of project. I'm sure that this has been a well-calculated thing for the last 25 years. So tell our fans how you achieved this dream uh, and, and, and envision, you know, that you've had your whole life uh, ending up right here where you are right now. You know, it, it is kind of funny to think that, but it's also kind of true in a way. Is that right? Oh, that's if interesting. You, if you look at, um, what I was doing when I was nine or 10. And then you flash forward to when I'm 30 something, I'd be like, yeah, of course, of course, I would be directing a documentary about a guy who pretends to be George Lucas. But no, I didn't think that this would ever happen. And it's just something that's kind of the magic of documentaries when you just get to stumble onto these projects, and they balloon into something, you know, bigger uh, than you ever thought they would be. Sure. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a weird little trip. So for both of you, you know, for fans out there who find themselves maybe sliding into the creative world, starting out as fans, I know it happens a lot. You know, I just interviewed a woman last uh, week who is a cosplayer and TikToker. She's got over three hundred thousand uh, followers now, and she's sort of yeah. not just a fan anymore, right? Um, what yeah. advice would you have for people who do have a dream, who are c- connected to this crazy, you know, fandom world, uh, to take the next step, and if they wanted to get into the the entertainment business um i mean i would say at a certain point you have to leave your fandom at the door and and uh realize that if you want to do this for real and you want to work with really cool people uh you got to sometimes internally nerd out and you can't necessarily bring that to the forefront uh at another one of my shows at ucb before this um before everything shut down, you know, Mark Hamill did it and Ryan Johnson did it. And I had to like <laughs> internally keep that inside and be like, we're all doing great. We're all having fun. We're all friends and we're talking now. We're talking about what our lives are like. And I think that is like a big part of it is just like treat people like people and, uh, you know, do the things that, um, you know, don't, don't, don't make people feel uncomfortable and make them feel at home. And uh, it all will work out if you're, if you're uh, good at hiding those, those so just things. don't be a weirdo, basically. <laughs> don't be a weirdo. That's the mm-hmm. easiest way to say it. Don't be a weirdo. If we sell that T-shirt, we'll give you some of the residuals. You oh know. my gosh, I would wear it every freaking day. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that. I mean, I'm just like I don't want to become the person I'm making fun of. You know, doing this yeah. podcast, but I sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like I'm falling down in that sarlacc pit. Sometimes no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> so, but listen, but listen. If you learned anything from Mandalorian this week, you can get out of that Sarlacc pit. That's okay. <laughs> oh, that's exactly right. You know, it yes. might be a retcon, you know, but you definitely <laughs> did get out of there. <laughs> yes, yes. Amazing. How about you, Ryan? What advice do you have for uh, future filmmakers uh, across the country? Yeah, just follow your passion, but then, just like Patrick said, leave your fandom at the door. So, what is it about Star Wars that made you want to make films? try to figure out that and then don't try to replicate it star wars is already star wars you got to do your own thing so even when i'm making this such a meta project like i said it's kind of a um you know okay there's how many different layers are we here so there's a guy who pretends to be george lucas and now we're doing a documentary which is one step away from the show but i'm still kind of putting my own um i don't want to say spin on it but like it's definitely filtering through me. So the documentary that's going to be made, whether it's good or like it or hate it, uh, it can only be made by us, and it'll be its own unique thing. No one else would make this exact version of this exact, you know, document of this subject. So I would just say, yeah, follow what you know 
makes your heart sing. Brilliant, brilliant. So I just want to ask you guys, uh, you know, the pandemic, it's still a confusing time. We don't know what the future is for even Star Wars and uh, uh, for other productions. Um, where do you see yourself going f- uh, in the next few years with the George Lucas talk show, uh, Patrick? Where, what's, your, what's your future hold here in terms of production and projects and other things, I guess? Yeah, I mean, it's weird because we've sort of stumbled into this world where our theater doesn't exist anymore where we did the show and we've started doing it digitally uh you know to a lot of people who don't live in new york and weren't able to see it until uh you know may um so we're in this sort of weird spot where like we're gonna have to figure that out once the pandemic's done whether we continue it as a digital show whether we find a new venue whether it just ceases to be i don't know i have no idea what it's going to be um if i had to guess my guess is it will be some combination of the two but i truly that's me speaking for myself you know maybe it'll continue as a live show and a digital show i don't know it really depends on what everyone's we're not going to hold that as canon yet you know that i really appreciate that it it will probably become legends within a few months is my (laughs) guess but we'll see um yeah i don't know i would love to do the show forever uh and I've really, really been enjoying doing it digitally just because it gives us a lot of freedom to get a lot of people that we wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. How about you, Ryan? What's your next step after a incredible, huge release? I'm sure you'll get on Netflix or Amazon or one of the big uh, streamers with this one, um, and you'll end up buying a uh, you know a $4 billion mansion made out of gold. But in your spare time, when you're not polishing your, your bed knobs and broomsticks, uh, what, what are you going to be doing next? I think I'm just going to keep on working on stranger and stranger projects. I think everything you see from this point forward is going to be even weirder than this one. And that's going to be <laughs> what I'm most interested mm-hmm. in doing. Fiction. I think I'd like to get into fiction. I'd like to get into long form storytelling. I love TV. Uh, so that's probably where I'm headed. Great. Great. Well, guys, uh, that's about all we have time for. But I want to give you a chance to shout out uh, for for your fans. Where can they get at you? Where can they follow you? Um, any other causes or anything you want to uh, let our fans know about? Uh, start with you, Patrick, with yeah. the George Lucas Talk Show. Um, yeah, we uh, we stream every Sunday night, uh, eight p.m. Eastern, five p.m. Pacific, on PlanetScum.live. All the episodes are on YouTube. All the past episodes on December twentieth, which I think is coming up is uh we're doing our life day show um which is going to be a fundraiser for feeding america uh and something that we didn't talk about on here is we've been doing a lot of fundraisers since may and we've raised one hundred thirty thousand dollars for different charities and organizations and stuff uh we're trying to make this the biggest one yeah yeah and it's gonna be i think it's starting at 10 a.m eastern going past midnight eastern uh i've got over 50 guests booked right now and it's (laughs) Like you can bleep this if you, I can't swear on here, but it's, it's okay. the lineup is fucking oh, wild. It's oh, crazy. Great. Like <laughs> there's a lot of very good people on this lineup. Um, I yeah. So tune in, uh, donate and give if you can. Uh, we want to raise a lot of money, and I I think it's going to be worth your while. Absolutely. So that's that's a uh, December twentieth, Sunday, December twentieth. December twentieth. So yep. Coming yep, up yep, soon yep. here in just a few days. So yeah, yeah, and then it'll be on YouTube a few days later. Also follow me on Twitter at Patrick Hotner. That's and and you can follow the show at G Lucas Talk Show. Uh, how about you, Ryan? Yeah, so we're gonna we're on all the social media. <laughs> we're at George Lucas Doc. We tried to keep it consistent, so you can t- you know check us out there. And then if you guys you know it's like you guys are doing so many charity fundraisers that it's like if you're not into mm-hmm. one charity, just wait a few weeks and they're gonna do one that you will support. I'm so impressed with how you guys keep raising the bar. Meanwhile, it's your same fan base at the core so it means they're like the most generous people on the planet yes you got of course new people coming in but it's just so it's really amazing like just how generous and kind your fans are it is truly wild some people give four dollars some people give three thousand dollars like it's it's a really inspiring nice thing to see and uh i hope other people will tune in because it's it's always a fun time and it's not to toot my own horn but it's always a good lineup (laughs) The guests sound amazing. Uh, so all of you out there, definitely make sure that you support the charity um, and get on. It's Planet Scum, right? Uh, has the, yep, has PlanetScum.live. Yeah. Well, if there's anything else, gentlemen, you'd like to say or throw out there to our uh, legion of Faker Nation fans, uh, the floor is yours. I would say just be nice to everybody. You know, be nice to everybody. Enjoy Star Wars. And if you don't enjoy Star Wars, like, 
it's not a big deal, guys. It's okay. We're all doing great, and and we're all just trying to live our lives. There you go. Yeah, take care of yourselves too. Like, uh, it's easy to let yourself go right now in the pandemic because it just feels like day after day is the same. But figure out what you love doing. If it's if you want to rewatch The Mandalorian five hundred times and that's your self care, do that. But you know, just try to try to bring joy into your life right now. Even if I rub pizza into my neck beard while I watch it, that's okay. Sure, right whatever, now, right? whatever gets you going. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, well, guys, it's been a pleasure. I wish uh, we could have done this over a beer in person, but you know, a desperate times call okay. for desperate measures. Um, maybe in the next year after the documentary comes out and we know a little bit more about the show, as we can have you back. I'd love to to um, talk. More more about how the charity event goes and how the the documentary yeah. uh, is released how that goes so really a pleasure yeah. to have you on today great super thank fun you. great meeting you and regrettably that's all we have time for this week i'd like to thank my guests mr ryan jacoby and patrick codner for coming on and making time for us this week make sure again to check out that show on december 20th that comedy charity event and donate uh, for them and the great causes that they're supporting you can follow Faking Star Wars on Twitter and Instagram at Faking Star Wars or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Real Faking Star Wars. And submit a question for us on Twitter by using the hashtag FSWRadio. We love reading listener questions. You can get official Faking Star Wars t-shirts and other wonderful gear at bit.ly slash FSWMerch. And if you like, follow me on Twitter at StormDuper. My DMs are open for business, baby. If you like what you hear and want to support us, visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash fakingstarwars. Sign up to become a patron. You not only support us fakers financially, but you also get a wonderful reward. You can join for as little as a buck a month. You'll join fake Jedi Padawan Stephen Howard or Rick Swift, the Mediocratics, Darth Taxis, and Keith Harmon, who are our fake Jedi Knight level supporters. And if you have not written us a review, why have you not done that? Please consider giving us a quick five-star review on iTunes, Podchaser, or any other podcast platform of your choice. It helps us get more listeners so that we can try to bilk them out of their hard-earned money. And if you write a funny review, we'll read it on an upcoming episode. And one last thing, we want to invite you to join our FSW Discord server. It's a free online chat room full of fakers discussing Star Wars, nerd culture, and even playing some games. The link is bit.ly slash FSW Discord. That's FSW all in caps, FSW Discord. And thank you to our sponsor, Manscaped.com. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FSWRADIO at Manscaped.com. That's FSWRADIO, all in caps. 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the code FSWRADIO. May the force be with your balls. Stay tuned to FakingStarWars.net for quality Star Wars comedy, parody, and satire. Thanks to you and all of our followers for listening. And of course, may the foe be with you. See you next time. Mm -hmm.